we have this conviction that God's going to raise up young leaders to reach the world for Jesus. Amen? We, long story short, for the last three years, we have been slowly developing a relationship with Cedarville University uh, through, really, you saw Jake Lysak there, through his father, uh, Dave Lysak, and uh, just the relationships that they've had as, as Jake was a uh, graduate of Cedarville and also Evan Woodall, as you know, is a graduate of Cedarville, and we've been developing this relationship with them for about three years in the hopes of working with them to mobilize young leaders uh, to reach uh, 315, to reach this particular geography with the gospel. And so this has been an incremental progressing thing, and we've had the amazing opportunity of having uh, Dr. John Wood from Cedarville and his family, and also Dr. Jeremy Kimball uh, and his family come to Syracuse this weekend to kind of get the lay of the land, to drive around uh, in a big Cedarville van and see our community, see our city. Uh, we went all the way down to uh, Jamesville, looked at the city and the lake, and all the way up to the Micron site, and went to all of the churches, Missio, Renovation, Covenant, had some meals and some lovely conversations, and uh, just exposing them to the great need that we know about this community. And so it's our joy and privilege to have uh, Dr. Jeremy Kimball with us this morning and his lovely family. Uh, he is going to come uh, and preach the word. So we're going to hear from you know a firebrand Baptist uh, this morning. Uh, bring a, a message uh, about Jesus from Hebrews. So can we please welcome this brother? Firebrand Baptist. All right, I'll take it. Um, that's good. Yeah. Hey, good morning. Good to be here. I, I feel like a, a native Syracuse resident. I'm from central New York originally. And uh, people outside of the state always ask, where are you from? And I typically claim Syracuse because no one outside of the state knows where Homer is. Um, but that's where I'm from. So uh, I often say, yeah, I'm just from Syracuse. They kind of know where that is usually. So uh, glad to be here back in the, the relative general area where I grew up and uh, went to a church like this all growing up, uh, faithful gospel preaching church. Uh, where I was able to hear the gospel clearly. And so it's a joy to be here with you all this, this Sunday. So let's open Bible to Hebrews 1 and uh, let's take some time to think through some, some key aspects here. Uh, we traveled here on Friday. The last month has been some travel for my family, uh, vacation and uh, some ministry realities as well. So we vacationed in Colorado a few weeks back now. We, we love hiking as a family. So we got into the Rockies and enjoyed that time there. I also had some ministry opportunity to uh, serve in Southern California. Was that last week? Yeah, wow. Okay, anyway, so we were there last week. I guess time has flown by and, and we're all over. But um, we're, we're a big family on just trying to notice the beauty of creation. So when we 
had young kids and we would go to various places for vacation that were beautiful, like Colorado, or we were in Southern California last week, there, there's this constant sort of refrain on the lips of myself and my wife to our kids. Uh, we didn't really do a lot of technology like in the car with them. We were kind of old school, like they had paper and crayons. Anyway, so um, we, we would get to places and then we had this, this constant word we'd say to our kids again and again, which was, look, look, like, look out the window and see the majesty of that 14,000 foot peak. Look at the Pacific Ocean. We, we did a whale watch while there and saw two blue whale, a bunch of dolphins, and we're just, like, just fixated on seeing these things. It's astounding, by the way, to be on a whale watch for two hours and see the vast majority of some people's time spent on little rectangular objects. It's crazy. I'm telling you, I'm seeing blue whale, the biggest animal on planet Earth, I think, and people are just kind of like, I'm just astounded by this. Because here's the thing. We, uh, we have this conviction as, as parents and as Christians, quite honestly, that what you behold and what you see and what you fixate on and what you focus on actually transforms you. It shapes you. And so for us, we're like, hey, like, we believe Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? So we, we believe creation is shouting the beauty and the grandeur of the glory of God. But we also believe, even beyond that general sort of revelation, that God has specifically revealed himself to us by means of this thing called the Bible, and, and we believe in a verse like 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. In other words, the more you behold Jesus, the more you become like Jesus. And, and, and that's... The, the game, friends. We want to conform our lives, become more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the call. Now, if you're like me, uh, Jesus has not shown up in my house, like physically, manifestly, to say, oh, there he is. I haven't seen him yet, though we will, with my physical eyes. So it's like, okay, how do I behold Jesus if I can't? He doesn't show up in my house or my bedroom or whatever. How do I see him? And, and 2 Corinthians goes on in chapter 4. In verse 4 it says, we, we see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Or in verse 6, it's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So where do we see Jesus? We see Jesus in the gospel. And where do we see the gospel in the scriptures? Well, in some form of fashion from beginning to end, we see God's glorious plan of salvation unveiled to us in the Bible. And as we behold God in his glory, we are made more and more like him. Amen. So the pathway to Christ-centered transformation is to see and enjoy Jesus. That's the pathway, is to go to the word of God, to see him revealed there, to enjoy what I see of him, and he promises, as you do that, I will increasingly conform you to my image. And as that happens, guess what? 
we impact a community with Christ and for Christ. This is the model, friends. So a main idea, if you're taking notes today, a main idea I'd love to to get across to us is this. This is the call of Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. And here it is. Look to Jesus, be transformed, and persevere in following Jesus. Again, look to Jesus, be transformed, and persevere in following Jesus. That's the message of Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Now, before I read that text, and I'll get there in just a second. Before I read that, though, I want to just say this also works in the opposite direction. What you behold, you become like. So there, there are verses like 2 Kings 17, uh, verses 14 and 15, describing Israel being taken into exile because of their idolatry and disobedience. And it says there, they despised the statutes and, the, and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went, listen to this, they went after false idols and became false. They became like what they worshipped. Right. And then Psalm 115 uh, in this verses one through nine section here, I'll just go to verse three. Um, Our God's in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols, idols of the unbelieving world, are silver and gold, the work of human hands. And then just note their description of idols here. They have mouths, but don't speak. Eyes, but don't see. They have ears, but don't hear. Noses, but don't smell. They have hands, but don't feel. Feet, but don't walk. And they don't make a sound in their throat. They're statues. They may have all these things. They can't do anything, though. But then it says this. This Psalm 115, verse 8. Those who make them, idols, that is, become like them. So do all who trust in them. And then it says, O Israel, trust in the Lord. Now, I was describing this whole idea to students at Cedarville some years back, I think in a chapel at one point, and I saw some guys later in the day, so helpful, these guys. Um, I saw some guys later in the day, I I was trying to say, you become like what you worship, you worship idols and idolatry, you become like those idols. And I saw some guys later in the day, and, and, and one guy said to me, hey, Dr. Kimball, this guy like loves and is studying uh, bugs. And he loves like the study of bugs. I think he's growing antenna. Just because he's saying like, you become like what you worship kind of a thing. And I was like, wow, hilarious. Um, I don't mean you, you grow antenna if you love studying bugs. What I'm trying to say is this. If you love idolatry and behold idols all the time, idols are deaf and blind. Guess what? You become, I would become spiritually deaf and blind. That's the idea. We immerse ourselves in idolatrous ways and all kinds of things. The promise is you're going to become like that. You you immerse yourself in an idolatrous way in sports, it will spiritually blind and deafen you. You immerse yourself in an idolatrous way in your career or even your family or any variety of things you can think of, it can make you spiritually blind and deafened. But it says you look to Jesus, you see him and embrace him and enjoy him, then there's a call to spiritual life, sight, hearing, 
of what's real and true. So Hebrews 1, let's read verse 1 through 4. It says this, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So here's my aim. I want to show you some glories of Jesus that we can see and behold and enjoy and then just provide some application for us to finish up. So here's some glories of Jesus I hope we can see and enjoy. Number one, God has spoken to us in his son. God has spoken to us in his son. It's verse one, right? God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament, but he's now spoken through his son in verse Two, so all throughout the Old Testament, you think of various prophets, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, Isaiah. Our family right now in evenings is studying through the prophets, and we just finished up Haggai, I think we just did the other night. So we're on to Zechariah next week, Lord help us. Not always easy to say the prophets, but there it is. Like lots of prophets in the Old Testament, and they spoke the word of God to God's people, and said, this is what God says, listen, obey, go in these ways. And that's fantastic, but a lot of these prophets, they, they prophesied of one who is to come, who is going to be, as Deuteronomy 18 says, the prophet, like the one to come, who would speak God's definitive word as God the Son. And, and then, of course, on the scene comes this person called Jesus of Nazareth. And he comes, he's depicted in the Gospels, and God has spoken, it says in Hebrews 1, 2, through his son. He is the word, John 1 says. So just his very existence on planet Earth, living and dying and rising again, is a testimony to the Gospel. But he spoke all these words, all these definitive, authoritative words to us. And friends, I just want to say, we can just thank God this morning that he's revealed himself. He's made himself known. That Jesus came in the flesh. He's given us a book called the Bible. I love saying to my students, uh, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. All the time, I've had people as a pastor, a professor, I just wish God would you know, speak to me. And I'm like, he wants to speak to you. Open the book. Well, I know, I know, Jeremy, but like, I wish he would speak to me out loud. And I'm like, man, read the Bible out loud. <laughs> right? He will address you in beautiful and specific ways that are inerrant and infallible and true and authoritative. So he's spoken by his son. Secondly, Jesus is the heir of all things. So he's the word, and he's also the heir of all things in verse 2. It says, the son whom he appointed the heir of all things. So the father, this is Psalm 2.8, ask of me and I'll grant the nations 
as your inheritance, right? So he's the inheritor of, you know, the universe. All of it. It's his. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died as our substitute to pay the price for our sins, that our sins would be covered and we could be forgiven by faith. We sang this this morning. Beautiful songs to sing about these things. He rose from the dead, which is amazing. We forget that at times, like, oh yeah, that, hey, rising from the dead is not usual. Let's just say that and say something's going on there that is meant to draw our attention toward this one. We'll say more of that later on. And so he then ascends. We see later on, he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he, he has authority over all things. So he has authority, and there's a day coming, Philippians 2 says, when every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As in, he will return someday. Does Jesus own it all right now? Yes. Will he manifestly, visibly own it all someday? Yes. Emphatically coming to be Worship. So Jesus will have in subjection to himself all that is. So just consider this. I just think about these things sometimes and just try to be in awe of this. So all land, all water, all fire, all wind, all energy, all natural resources, all nations, all military might, all bacteria and viruses, all angels and demons, all people under his authority and ownership. I, I can't say that. Like, I have authority. I have, like, no authority, hardly. I have ownership over this world. Not. Right? I have, like, so little power. And Jesus says uh, in, in Matthew 28, yeah, um, all authority is given to me. And when he says all, he means all. <laughs> Totalizing. So what do you do with that guy? You... You submit to him, you worship him, and you entrust yourself to him. Because when he makes promises, he'll keep them. Amen. So when, when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, guess what? The meek will inherit the earth. That's a done deal. When he says uh, that there will no longer be death or mourning or crying or pain anymore. Revelation 21, he'll make good. That will come to pass. All the pain, all the sorrow in your life and mine, God says there's a day coming when Christ will return and all that sorrow will be turned to joy. That's real. So we entrust ourselves to Jesus. Third, he made the world. Again, chapter 1, verse 2, he's appointed heir of all things, through whom also he, the Father, created the world. So, so Jesus is, is part of this creative act. God the Father made the, the universe through Jesus Christ. These verses, right? Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. The earth is without form and void, and the Spirit's hovering over uh, the deep. And then verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and what? There was light. Now, 
We've read that probably this room a lot of times. I, I just want to remind you, it's appropriate to be staggered by that. Because when I say, th- if, if I say any, like anything, uh, turn to night right now, that's ludicrous. Like nothing's going to happen. Nothing. When God says, uh, light, and there's nothing there, and then something appears. Like reality appears. That's staggering. All right, so we leave all sorts of things there. Like we, we, I'll put it in quote, we create things all the time, right? So I have a friend who's an engineer who makes jet propulsion components. That's like what he does with his life's work at his job. Um, my, my daughter is a writer. She fashions worlds with words, I like to say. Uh, my son plays like creatively rendered music on the piano. My wife has made many, many quilts in her, her lifetime. Uh, there's one time I, quote, created a song for my, she was then my fiance. Um, like I wrote a song and played the guitar for her. That was the one time I tried that. Never again. Um, she's very gracious to me. Anyway, so like we, we do these things all the time. Here's the difference. All those things mean like we created out of existing materials. God doesn't even need that. He just make things, makes things out of nothing. So Jesus as creator is an amazing display of power, wisdom, ingenuity, grace. Like, just to say it plainly, God didn't need you. He didn't need me. He, he made this world and made us as an act of grace that we might enjoy him forever. So our, our existence shouldn't be taken for granted. It should humble us, friends, to say, man, the God of the universe made all this, made us. Our response is then to worship him. Next here, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. This is in verse three. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Here's what he's saying. If you want to know like, who God is, look to Jesus. He is Jesus in, or he is God incarnate, God in the flesh. If you want to know the glory and the moral beauty of God, the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, Jesus came in the flesh to show who he is. So like in John 14, 9, one of the disciples says, hey, just, just show us the Father and that's enough for us, Jesus. Just show us God. And Jesus says to a man, have you been with me for so long and don't know these things? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oh, that's a claim. Yeah, read John sometime and see how often God, Jesus does that and how much trouble he gets in for saying the truth of who he is. It's amazing. And Hebrews, by the way, the whole book is just like, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. So persevere in your faith. It's awesome that way. So again, there's all these conceptions about Jesus in the world. Oh, he's a nice teacher. He, he's a humble, like Galilean peasant hippie sort of guy out there somewhere. Some, you know, Yoda type figure. He's a legend, some would say. He's, he's a dude with like delusions of messiahship. He's got some, some issues. You have all kinds of opinions about Jesus. And the Bible makes clear, like, hey, he is God in the flesh. 
You don't, you don't say, oh, he has some nice teachings, or oh, he's a legend, I don't worry about him, or oh, he was deluded. No, you, you recognize he is Lord and we worship. That's the right response, friends. The right response to Jesus is not to say he's a liar or he's a legend or he's nuts. No, the right response is to say he's Lord, I worship. I give, I give my life to you, Jesus. Then next, Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. In verse three, again, toward the end, it says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He's creator, yes, and he sustains everything. He's creator and sustainer of all that exists. Acts 17.25 says, in him we live and move and have our being. So, so what that means is every facet of this world is held together by Jesus. We are unbelievably dependent on Jesus. So I, I recall, I'm, I'm the youngest of my family, so I know, I know your siblings around. So I was not around babies very often, and as an adolescent boy, I had no real desire to be around or hold or whatever else with infants. Um, and so I didn't know a ton. So Rachel and I were married. Uh, Hannah came along, and she's, I don't know, a few months old, laying in her crib one day. And uh, Rachel and I are just uh, adoring her, looking at her. And uh, I said to her as we were standing there, this is, this is true um, of my ignorance, I said, so when does she start, like, doing things? <laughs> I said, I didn't know. I had no clue. I was like, when does she, you know, like, talk, crawl, something, you know? And she just kind of patted my back, being like, oh, honey, sit down, please. So I just didn't know. And because I, I was astounded by how dependent this infant was on, on Rachel and I. Like, if we don't care for this child, like, this child's, like, literally not going to make it. They're just so dependent on parents in that way. And it's just a reminder, friends, though we don't want to admit it, always see it, always recognize it, like, we are that dependent on the Lord Jesus. It may not feel that way, but if you embrace a verse like John 15, verse 5, which Jesus says, apart from me, you can do Ah, you guys know, nothing. And there's always something in my heart that's like, ah, a little something. And Jesus is like, no. <laughs> it just crushes that. Nothing. Life, breath, everything from me, Jesus is saying. So again, like he's holding the Milky Way and all galaxies in being down to like the materials of this building, down to like, hair and skin and lungs and tissue and fingernails. He's holding that all together such that if Jesus ceased to will my existence, I would cease to exist, literally. That's genuinely true. And so again, I look at him and say, I come to you in worship. And of course, the major way we could respond to that best probably is prayer. If I believe that, I'm praying without ceasing. Yep. Next here, Jesus made purification for sins and sat down in majesty. Verse four again, having become as much spirit of angels, I'm sorry, verse three, should say, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I've already mentioned this, but in John one, 
John the baptizer says of Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And what that means is he is this once for all sacrifice that takes care of the wrath of God that was bent toward our sin such that his death is a substitutionary sacrifice for us. And if we believe in him, we turn from our sins, turn from our self-sufficiency and turn to Jesus and say, I see you as the means of my salvation. You are my savior. You are my Lord. You are my greatest treasure and satisfaction. I'm putting all my hope and my trust in you. The Bible tells us you will be eternally saved from your sins. That's the gospel. That's the good news, friends. That's the hope we have because he's the only way, the only truth, the only life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Faith in him is the pathway to salvation. Here in this room, I don't know, I don't know many of you in this room today, so I'll just say I don't know many of you in this room. Just say if you're here today and you have not responded to Jesus in a way that says, I see and I recognize and I embrace Jesus as my Savior and Lord and treasure. I'm turning from idols and sin and self-sufficiency to him for my eternal salvation. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to call on the Lord in faith and pray and say, Lord Jesus, I believe and I trust in you. And there are Lots of people here who would love to speak to you about that before you leave today. Don't leave this place without saying, I need to want to know more about that and pray about that. Let's do it. Greatest news ever, greatest decision of life ever, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And after, after it says he ascends and he sits at the right hand, he's enthroned, he's king of the universe at the right hand of the Father, reigning over all things. And again, a prayer for us to see this as true. And then one final one in verse four, uh, that Jesus is superior to angels. All these glories of Jesus. He's superior to angels. Verse four, having become as much superior to angels as the name he's inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, that may seem like an odd sort of a phrase, like why, why say that? And there's there's reasons why in Hebrews 1 it goes on to say more about this, but let's just, let's just say this much. Uh, in the Old Testament, when angels showed up, which happens at various times, people respond in one of two ways, pretty much. Number one, they, they tremble in fear or they pass out. No joke. Every time, go, go check it out. Every single time you see an angel show up, people are trembling with fear, like literally physically trembling or just passing out. Every time. Which, which indicates there's, there's some sort of nature to angels that would give humans a little bit of fear and trepidation. And we're just seeing here, like, Jesus like, yeah, better. Angels, wow, Jesus better. Simple as that, right? Just to say that that's the reality of who Jesus is. Now, all that's true. Those glories in Hebrews 1 are all genuinely true. So that, that's why the call is to look to Jesus, be transformed, and persevere in following Jesus. That, that's the call from this text. Go on in Hebrews. Hebrews 2.1 says we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard about Jesus. Chapter 3.1 says 
Consider Jesus, this ongoing command. Keep considering Jesus. And then 12, 1 to 3 says, look to Jesus and pay close attention and consider Jesus. Over and over and over, the author's saying, look at Jesus. Worship Jesus. Behold Jesus. Enjoy Jesus. It's, it's like saying, and there are commands, by the way, in Hebrews, all these commands. It's like saying, I command you to listen to your favorite song again. Okay. I command you to, you know, eat your favorite dessert. It's like, okay. Like we were the Macy's last night. If Mike last night was, uh, he, I forgot where they're from, but they were amazing. Uh, he brought some um, cannolis into the home from a, a, a great place. And if he said to me, Jeremy, I command you to eat this cannoli, I'd be like, I, I'm your guy. I, I happily and humbly submit. <laughs> I had two. Anyway, so um, right, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm all about it, man. Command away. That, that's what this is like. Enjoy Jesus. Okay. Like, enjoy the best thing ever. Got it. Good. That's, that's the call. The call is to see and enjoy the greatest reality of the universe. That's the call. And, and the whole Bible, Luke 24, Jesus tells us the, the law, the prophets, the writings, all this testifies of me. So friends, we want to be Psalm 1 people who delightfully meditate on God's word day and night to see the glories of God, to see the glories of Christ and enjoy from who he, him for who he is. So here, here's a rhythm for your life. You ready? A rhythm for your life in my life is this. In the mornings, perhaps, um, my, my, friend, my friend Aaron calls this Bible and the bean, if you're a coffee person. I'm, I'm just Bible, I don't really do bean. But um, get up and get your Bible out and pray. Lord, I, I just heard this guy you know, talking on Sunday about the fact, like, I open the Bible and, and, and your glories are here to be seen to transform me. Pray that you would see those things. I, I pray certain verses in the Psalms each morning, like, incline my heart to your testimonies. Or open the eyes of my heart to behold beautiful things from your word. Or, or unite my heart to fear your name. Or satisfy me this morning with your steadfast love. Just various Psalms that we pray in the morning to say, like, get my eyes on this. Help me to see what's actually there. The Bible's not the problem. I'm the problem, wow. right? So help me to get like out of the way and to see the glories that are actually there. And then read, read. And then as you read, pray back to God. Oh man, I'm reading this and seeing this. I want to confess this to you. I want to thank you for this. Lord, I want to ask you about this issue that's going on in my life. I want to worship you for who you are. Pray to see, see, and pray. And then, go tell somebody. This is Christian life, y'all. Pray to see him, see him in his word, pray in response, and then say, okay, who can I tell about those glories? Simple call. Doing that, if we do that well, that beholding of Christ I just want to say to us, just as a, a, a word of hope to us to finish out this morning, if we do this, I think, regularly, it's going to progressively free us from the bondage of sin for the sacrifices of love. And if we do this, it's going to progressively free us from the bitter sting of suffering and disappointment. So we look to God in hope. 
So for, for our, our own lives to forsake sin and pursue righteousness and to forsake the, the crushing disappointment that comes in our lives and to pursue hope, this is the pathway. Pray to see the glories of God revealed in Christ. Read the Bible and see him for who he is. Pray in response and go and say, there's one hope. There's one hope. His name is Jesus. Would you see this and embrace this? Believers, and they can be built up. Would you see this and embrace this? Unbelievers, in my neighborhood, at my job, at the the place I work out, wherever. This is the call of the Christian life. And what's always fueling this is a vision of Christ. Let's pray. Fathers, we think of those matters. Lord, I pray that you'd grant us just a, a, a wonderful spirit-given ability to see and to enjoy our Lord, Jesus Christ, in your word that you've given to us and that we would be affected individually, we'd pray appropriately, and then, Lord, we'd impact that circle of relationships that we We walk in each day with the truth of who you are. And as we do that faithfully, God, would you bring great movement and awakening in a place that is in need of it? And would you draw people to yourself and change a culture in a way that would glorify and show how amazing and awesome you are? Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.